Hey everybody, welcome to East West Draftcast, the greatest podcast to deal with Magic the Gathering that has East and West in the title. I'm 100% certain of that. I'm one of your hosts, my name is Greg. Jeff, do you agree or disagree? I think I disagree. Really? There's another East-West better limited podcast out there? Uh, there's quite a few, actually. But, um, yeah, we're probably the worst one, actually. So All right. we can claim that, at least. Worst? I, I mean, best, yeah. worst. It, it doesn't really matter to me as long as we're, you know, really gravitating towards one end of the spectrum. Yeah. Anyway, totally. uh, welcome to the to the podcast today, listeners. We've got a bunch of stuff for you. We... It's been a few days, but we just experienced Grand Prix San Jose, which was a team-limited event, and we are going to talk way too much about that. But first, I wanted to congratulate my co-host, Jeff. You got engaged. I did. That's crazy. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. It's cr- um, Only crazy people do this. Like, yeah, I mean, little-known fact, once you get married, they just lock you up. They just throw you in the insane asylum. That's all right. It's worth it. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to say congrats on the air. Um, you and I have talked about this a fair amount already. And in your own words, I think you said everybody who listens to the podcast who you know already knows. So it's not like like we're breaking any news to anybody. But I don't know, for all the people who don't really know you personally, i.e. the, the listenership, uh, that might be a cool thing to know about one Jefferson McDonald. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah. Anyway, stoked, stoked for you and your lady. I cannot wait to dance my ass off of your wedding hell yeah so with that said i want to jump in to some return to ravnica discussion uh specifically some pick a card list before we jump into the team sealed discussion what do you say awesome sounds good okay uh and it's been a while so we should probably lay out how this works i have a a list of cards i'm actually holding physical cards in front of me today i I pulled these cards from my here I'll, i'll snap them here Oh, yeah, that's nice. Magical. Uh, uh, anyway, this I'm holding six, seven cards in my hand right now. I'm going to list them two at a time, and Jeff is going to pick pick a card, basically the one that he thinks is better, or the one he would pick first, or the one he likes more. I, it, it's kind of ambiguous like why he's picking it. Uh, we, no one really knows, and, which is great, because we came up with the segment, and it doesn't really matter. It's just kind of a way to discuss cards in an interesting way and, and pick cards against each other. And after he chooses one of the first two, I'm going to pit the one he chose against uh, the third card, and then so on and so on until there's only one card kind of like left standing in the list. So with all that said, pick a card, Goblin Rally or Rakdos Kirun. Hmm. I actually haven't played with Goblin Rally yet, but it seems pretty solid. I have played with the Kirun, as I'm sure anybody who's played the format has played with multiple Kirun's at this point. Um, and I like the Kirun. But uh, Greg Greg has talked to me about this. Uh, the it it's like the weirdest key rune because it's in a color that doesn't really love to play a a, a key rune like a thing that isn't a creature or a you know some kind of spell. Um, I mean it's sort of a creature but it's kind of a slow creature. So I think I picked the rally here. Yeah, the key rune just kind of goes against everything Rakdos is actually trying to do, which is just like commit more dudes to the battlefield and use removal to get those dudes through. Whereas Goblin Rally is, I don't know, it's one of those cards that I've liked, but I've also kind of been unimpressed with at the same time. You really have to have a good reason to run it, I think. Uh, but with that said, Dyna Charge. Yeah, Dyna Charge or um, 
what's the overload spell that overruns teleportal teleportal or just some way to make use of many dudes as opposed to just like i think a lot a lot of decks would rather just have like a four four for five yeah you know that and i think that spreading the the toughness and power out into four one ones is cool in the abstract when you can potentially have cards like teleportal like dyna charge but in general i think you'd rather have two two twos you'd rather have a three three and a one one rather than just four one ones because they don't do a whole lot on their own like you might be able to get one swing in there where like you force through two points of damage with them but they don't really attack very well after that well they have two synergies that i think matter which is one is the dyna charge uh, at common i should say one is the dyna charge and one is um the fling thing i forget what it's called fling thing oh yeah yeah uh launch party launch party yeah I thought I thought you were gonna say the um, the Lord for tokens, the one that gives the guy that gives plus one plus one to uh, tokens. I, I was just talking about commons. But okay. Yeah, like and Dyna Charge is a late pick, so you like if you pick up a Goblin Rally, you're probably getting a Dyna Charge. Yeah. So I, I agree that I would probably take the Goblin Rally. Uh, I think the Kirun is more of it's actually not a Rakdos card. It's a black or red card for when you want to splash for the other color. Yeah, it's great for that though. Yeah, and and if you're if you're a slow deck, you can use something like that. But for the most part, the Rakdos deck doesn't want the key rune, and I think the Rally kind of just has more applications. That's the card I would choose too. Um, anyway, next up, Goblin Rally or Stealer of Secrets. Um, I like. Uh, damn it. <laughs> I should like the Stealer more, but I don't even know if I do because I don't love blue in this set. Well, go, go into that real quick. Why don't you like blue? Okay, so blue is probably what I've played with, well, not the most, but i played with a, a good amount so far. And um, even when your deck looks really solid, it's never as good as you think it is. <laughs> it's just, uh, they have a lot of these, like, Steeler Secrets is one of the better cards, I think, actually. But they have a lot of these, like, two-power, three-mana creatures that seem solid, like Flyers, Stealer, or just these things that um, you're you're kind of overloading on those, and then you're playing this kind of tempo game where you are you know slowing them down in a way and getting in there with your guys. But the problem is you're getting in there with two twos, and it's never enough. It's just absolutely never enough. And although the reason I like Stealer more is because he gets in there and draws you cards, so that's a big deal um, for the deck. And I think the ones, the blue decks that will do well, that are like base blue, are ones that are playing like three plus stealers. But that's what I have to say about that. But in this pick a card, you would take the Goblin Rally over the Stealer? <sighs> no, I'm gonna take the Stealer. <laughs> okay, I think that's for what for what it's worth. I think that's correct. And while we're talking about it, I, I want to mirror your sentiments with blue in general. I think that it's not as fast. It's not fast enough to deal with Golgari, and it's not, or not Golgari, excuse me, Rakdos, and it's not big enough to deal with Selesnya and Golgari, you know? Mm-hmm. And oh man, Trestle Troll destroys it. Yeah, Trestle Troll is a real card. Yeah, for real. Uh, that's actually, I have, I have a note on that. I don't want to talk about that card later, kind of on its own. But, that's fine. Um, all right, so yeah, but I do think Steeler is probably better than the Rally. It's just a little more efficient. It does a little more, and it 
synergizes more with other cards that common in its colors, you know, like the inaction injunctions and whatnot. So I agree with yeah. you there. Uh, next up, pick a card, Stealer of Secrets or Perilous Shadow. That's the uh, pumping? That's like the shade? It's the 04 shade that gets plus 2, plus 2 when you put 2 mana into it. Yeah. I think I still take Stealer, uh, although the shade has impressed me. I originally kind of wrote it off, and then um, this this format tends to get up to a lot of mana, so it's pretty pretty good sync for it, but I think I still take Stealer. I think those are really close, and I would take the Shadow almost exclusively based upon color preferences, but I've been pretty impressed with the card as well. The fact that it's an 04 base means that you don't have to worry as much about like leaving mana up to protect it, which is a big right. deal. It is expensive to like attack in there, but like if you can pump it twice and no one's gonna block it. Yeah. You know, you get a four eight attacker, like that's pretty absurd. I think I think that yeah. card's pretty good, actually. That's the card I would take. Yeah, by the end of the game I've seen like easily pumping it four times, and that's absurd. So yeah. Alright, so Stealer of Secrets or Rubbleback Rhino, which is the three four hex proof for five mana. Ugh. These are all very close, Greg. Uh, that's how you know it's a good list. <laughs> um, I think I take the Steeler still. Uh, ah, maybe not. Uh, so I like, like, I think green is probably the best color, maybe. Um, and I like the Rhino. I don't absolutely love the Rhino because he costs five and all that. But, that God, there's so many ways to, like, Get stuff on him that's actually really awesome. Yeah, scavenge so. counters, the random enchantments floating around, like uh, plus two plus two and pay a blue to give it flying. Or, 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 yeah, knightly valor. Knightly valor, you got common bond, you have. Yeah, I'm going to take the rhino. Yeah, I think this is even closer than shadow and stealer. I would probably still take the shadow over both of these cards, but I do think that rubbleback rhino is slightly better, like ever so slightly better than stealer of secrets. But again, that does have to do with color preference. Um, yeah. All right, next up, Rubbleback Rhino or Rogue's Passage, which is the land that taps for colorless but can also tap when you pay for to make a creature unblockable until end of turn. I'm going to take the Passage. Yeah, I saw that card do some work at the GP. That was uh, probably Jason's best card in his deck, and his deck was good. So <laughs> It was the best card in Russell's team sealed deck as well. Yeah. It makes sense. He was playing like a black-green, just slow Dirtle deck. Yeah. But I was very impressed with not only the fact that, like, I at first when I saw the card, I thought it was going to be way too slow like and too expensive to use on a regular basis, but it just ends the game at some point. It's kind of like having a, uh, what was that card in M13 that would just mill for X? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, but I don't know its name. I can't remember the name of it either. Uh, oh, Sands of Delirium. There you go. It feels like that in the sense that you put it onto the battlefield, and it doesn't do a whole lot right away, but if you want to, you can just start saying, okay, we're racing right now. This is you and me racing, and you better have an answer, you know? And yeah. I love cards like that. Uh, and yeah. the fact that this one doesn't take up, like, a spell slot in your deck, the fact that it's a land makes it that much better. Yeah, and it's like if you if you grab it and kind of try to stick to two color, you can easily have totally awesome mana still. Yep, yep. And I mean, with the amount of fixing and like transkill promenades and whatnot, 
even if you are like dipping into a third color, I still think the Rogue's Passage is pretty playable as long as your mana yeah. isn't atrocious. Yeah. Totally. All right. Last up, Rogue's Passage versus Knightly Valor. I still take the Passage. Yeah? You, you don't think yeah. it's that close? I not, uh, not really. Well, shit. It's closer. I would take the Knightly Valor over all the other cards, I think. Okay. That's good uh, to know. But, uh, yeah, the Rogue's Passage is just, it just, I saw it just overrun everybody. Like, every time it put, it lands on the battlefield, it's like, oh, okay, like, this is, the game just completely got broken open. It's like, here comes fuck. my Golgari long legs every turn. Yeah. You know? Here, yeah, it was always that card, too. How weird is that? <laughs> well, I think, you say that, that that's, like, that's like a strange two card, like, synergy right there just because yeah. no one really wants the long legs but they'll pl- people will play in the long legs but when you have a rogues passage in your deck you want the long legs yeah it's like yes i want to deal five a turn for four mana i will i will pay that cost yeah like there's a lot of stalls i think in um this this set uh rakdos is the uh the exception i guess but yeah every other deck likes to stall so yeah. The thing I will say about Knightly Valor is in its deck, in the white green tokens deck, it's awesome. You sometimes you just need it too. Like you need that one extra token generator. And it's been like the removal in this format is bad enough to the point where playing a card like Knightly Valor isn't as risky as playing an aura in previous formats has been. So Right, yeah. I do think the card is pretty playable and I don't necessarily know if I think it's better than in all the other cards on the list. It probably is though. Um, I think Rogue's Passage is it's just better in a vacuum. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that was the end of list one. You want to do list two? Let's go into it. All right. So pick a card. Dagger Drome Imp or Brush Strider? Brush Strider. Is that you repeating the name or is that you just picking That's it? That's me picking it. Snap picking it. Snap picking I, it. I like the Imp, actually. It's, it's cool because all the scavenge and all. And... Uh, it's it's a thing that kind of like slows down the game a little bit. Like I've had people drop it turn two, would just like ping me like four times with it, which is kind of swingy or not swingy, but it like it, it extends the length of the game, you know. It's annoying to play against, that's for sure. Yeah, and then if they can get a scavenge on it, then it's actually like a beast. But three power, two mana creatures are good, especially in green, I think. So. Now, have you, I mean, I've found the one toughness on Brush Shredder to be a bit of a liability. Yeah, it is. Mostly it is. because of electricery at common. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I agree. Uh, there's also a few first strikers that makes it annoying, I guess. Yep. Um, but uh, I would say that I like the Strider over most of the two drops in green. Yeah. So. I'll, I'll agree to that. I mean, in this format, three power is such a... Like, big jump from two power. The ability to trade with a centaur token as opposed to just die to a centaur token is a big deal. Yeah. It's also relevant when it comes to some of the red-black unleashed cards. Not necessarily the, like, the 3-4 when it's unleashed, the Dead Reveler, or the 3-3 First Strike Splatter Thug. But against a card like the Death Touch, the 2-3 Death Touch, a 2-2 flare. Yeah, a 2-2 doing nothing to you whereas a 3-1 at least you can you can trade you know yep so yeah i agree that it's the brush strider i think the dagger drone imp is more of a like i don't want to play that card unless i'm hyper aggressive 
and I have some sort of synergy with either Scavenge or maybe the uh, plus two plus one black enchantment. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what that card's called. I'm, uh, Deviant Glee. Deviant Glee. I, that's a card that's actually impressed me as as I've played more and more of the format. Yep. Anyway, next up, Brush Strider or Doorkeeper, the 04 Defender. Doorkeeper. Oh, that was another snap pick, man. I thought you said you didn't like blue. I don't, but Doorkeeper's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, the, the wall deck is just too much fun. I don't know. It's not 100% correct to just, like, snap a Doorkeeper, but I do think it's on par power level-wise. But just more preference-wise, I, I want to play with the stupid walls. Yeah. And two mana for an 04 is actually pretty awesome in this set because like you say centaurs and all yeah i definitely still take the brush shredder here but i can see your argument for the doorkeeper i guess just one of deck preference um what do you when you talk about the defender deck can you expand on that a little bit more what colors do you want to play when you're playing defenders do you want to play five colors uh yeah well yes and no you probably don't need to play white um I don't even think there are defenders in white. But you want to be base green for Axebane Guardian and for Trestle Troll, correct? Absolutely. So green is the most important... Well, yeah, green is the most important color. Axebane Guardian is the best card in the deck because it fixes for all your stupid walls <laughs> and it also can ramp out the stupid giant spells that you have, like maybe a World Spine Worm that you cast, like I think, five times in the GP. I did not do this. This was Spencer, but... But how awesome it, is that? He got to cast so awesome. World Spine Worm in his Grand Prix matches and win with it. I mean, obviously, you cast that card, you're probably going to win, but... Yeah, he lost once. Lost once when it was in play? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the opponent had, like, ten creatures out. And huh. He just, like, got overrun immediately, but he still cast it. <laughs> that's, that's still no, pretty cool. cool. Yeah, and sh- actually, it wasn't ten creatures. It was a lot of creatures, but more importantly, uh, the opponent had a... Uh, uh, well, I just blanked. Time uh, charge the, or teleportal or something? No, the enchantment that gives all your creatures plus three, plus three. Oh, yeah. That card is insane. Yeah. Uh, collective Blessing. That's the one. I've lost uh, to that card a lot in this format. It's probably my least favorite card to play against so far. Yeah, it feels you feel so helpless. Yeah. But, all right, let's um, let's keep going. Uh, yeah. Doorkeeper or Slitherhead? Uh, doorkeeper. Slitherhead I originally really liked, but it hasn't impressed me. It's just not really worth the the spot in your deck, is it? No, it's not quite good enough. It's no, I don't know. Just the the synergies just aren't there, maybe because like I just thought that they would be like, oh, there's so many cards that want a plus one plus one counter, but it just doesn't work out as well as you think. It's it's no, uh, what you call it? Uh, Doom Traveler. Doom Traveler, yeah. I think the problem is that it doesn't really... There aren't enough one-toughness guys that it can trade with as a creature. Right. And that kind of makes it bad, because it's not aggressive enough to like jam into all your Rakdos decks or like fast Golgari. I mean, I don't know if there is a fast Golgari deck, but like fast Celestia decks. Yeah. But it's not quite... Sl- like it's, I don't want to say it's not slow enough, but it doesn't help the slow deck enough. It's just like save you some life, put a plus one, plus one counter somewhere, you know? Yeah, totally. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, Doorkeeper and Brusher are both better than that. Next up, Doorkeeper or Swift Justice? Mm. Um, I think... Uh, I think... Uh, shit. <laughs> it's working. It's tough. 
It's tough because so I think I like Doorkeeper still. Um, Swift Justice is an interesting is in an interesting place in the set where um, it's not especially good in white blue uh, because a lot of your stuff flies and they're not going to be blocking it anyway. Um, unless you're on the back foot and you have to use it defensively, and blue, and green has kind of better pump spells than this, uh, but the lifelink is so goddamn important against certain decks. Yes, that uh, it's it's like you almost need one in every deck. <laughs> uh, so it's like, but but I feel like I can get it much later than I can get a doorkeeper. So I think I take doorkeeper. Yeah, I would definitely take Swift Justice over doorkeeper. Swift Justice versus Brush Strider is a little closer. I think I'd rather just have the two drop uh, that that beats because before the pump spell can be good, you need to have those efficient creatures on the battlefield anyway. Right. I think what you said about there being better pump spells in white green is interesting because I don't know how true that actually is. Like I think that Giant Growth is better. I think mm-hmm. that Common Bond is better, but other okay. than, other than that, I don't I don't necessarily. Well, that's that's two. That's a lot. Sure, but I mean, I don't necessarily think Swift Justice is worse than Savage Surge or Chorus, Chorus of Might or the... There's I, Is there one other that I'm missing? Maybe it's just those two. No, I don't think so. But, yeah, just it's so efficient. Just the one mana, like, to al- yeah. allow you to play this and then cast some other, like, even if it's just, like, a three drop or another two drop in your white-green deck is pretty sweet, as opposed to, like, tapping out for even a common bond or tapping out for a chorus of might. Yeah. The swift justice just kind of keeps you more on plan. And that's why I like it. Yeah. So fucking important against Rakdos though. Holy oh, shit. Yeah. The lifelink and the first strike are both very re- relevant in that. Yeah. Matchup. Cause the, their stuff all has high power and lower toughness. And, yep. Yeah. All right. Well, you still took doorkeeper last up doorkeeper or traitors instinct. Ah, um, Two very different cards. Yeah. Uh, the instinct is really good, as as most people probably know. It was better in Rise, but that's kind of obvious, because you would steal, like, eight eights. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know if I agree with that statement. I think it might be better here. Uh, I don't think so. It's, it's really good in the Rakdos deck. It is. It is. But... Um, I don't know. Rise had so much huge stuff that it was like such a bigger deal to take. But anyway, um, yeah, I think I, I think I take Trader's Instinct. I definitely take Trader's Instinct. That's why I left it towards the as the last card on the list because I knew that I or in my mind it's definitely the best card on the list just mm-hmm. because it's so good in that deck. Yeah, it does so much. Like I played two copies of it in my Grinder Sealed deck on Friday night before the GP, and I got to do some really stupid stuff with it. Like, it led to some really... Like, games I should not have won, I won because of that card. Like, have you ever stolen a wild Beastmaster with Trader's Instinct? Like, seven times. Yeah, I, I did it at least twice. And <laughs> That's it, crazy. it was glorious. <laughs> I bet. That sounds like, insane. Yes, all my attackers will have plus two, plus three this turn. I also had a, uh, a play where... I was just getting demolished by this... Or not demolished, but, like, I was playing Rakdos, and 
I get my opponent down to about eight life, and then he just starts playing huge green monsters that I just have no business dealing with anymore because I've kind of run out of gas. He plays, like, he has a bunch of centaur tokens, he has some gate creeper vines, and he also has, he gets to the point where he's able to cast an Axebane stag, the, like, seven yeah, mana, six, seven. Six, seven. Mm-hmm. And, well, no, he's not at eight life, he's at 11 life. And I've got a 3-3... Three, three, Cryptborn Horror, I think that's what it's called. That Star Star, they get yeah, that's right. Counters equal to how much damage you did that turn. Yeah. Um, I have a three three one of those, and I have four Goblin tokens from a Goblin Rally, and basically I'm just trying to survive because I've got this Trader's Instinct in my hand and draw enough land to the point where what I can do is steal his Axebane Stag with Traitor's Instinct, making it an 8-7, and still having my Cryptborn Horror to get in there for exactly 11. But to do this, what I have to do is get to enough mana to the point where I can overload a Mizium Mortars to deal 4 <laughs> damage to all of his other creatures so that like he has no blockers for when I get in there. And, and this is all assuming he doesn't have a pump spell, he doesn't have like some other creature with more than 4 toughness that'll survive the Mortars. And just like I chumped, I had to chump block very like judiciously with those goblin tokens to allow myself to get to that turn where I could just draw that last land to be able to pay six for an overloaded Mizium Orders and four for the uh, Traitor's Instinct. Speaking of having a lot of land in play, right? You know, yeah, ten right. mana. But I got there. It was friggin' sweet. <laughs> Del- Delta Xaxes. That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. But yeah, I just, I mean, I think there are plenty of good targets to take with Traitor's Instinct, and it's one of those, just one of the few cards in Rakdos that provides a little bit of extra reach towards the end of the game. Like, that card and Explosive Impact are both very important in my mind to that deck. Yeah, definitely. So, I don't know. Yeah. Those are my pick card lists. You want to talk a little bit more in depth about the GP in general? Yeah. So, uh, what do you think of Team Sealed, Greg? Team Sealed, man, what a hard format. That, that's like shit. my first impression is that like we practiced a fair amount for it, like opening sealed pools and like trying to build three good decks or like the three best decks we could, like mm-hmm. Ryan, Russell, and I as as our as a team. Mm-hmm. And in the GP, I felt like we did pretty well. Like we made one one good deck, like one really good deck, which was the deck I ended up playing. Uh, Ryan ended up with like kind of a like mediocre blue red deck but it had some really good cards in it it had a jace in it and it also had the mercurial chemister which is that card is unreal yeah like if you can get either of those cards going you're probably going to win the game so his was kind of just like one of those bomb dependent sealed decks and then we gave russell what we thought was like a really good like kind of grindy golgari deck just with a lot of dudes a lot of scavenge a rogues passage um and I'm still, like, I'm certain that we made a ton of mistakes. Yes. Like, and I can think back to many of them still. Like, we should have given this guy this card. I should have taken, like, Russell should have had the Brush Strider. I should have had one of his Scavenge Beetles, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And, like, and then I think about it more and more, and then I think, well, maybe we just built the wrong decks. And that's what's kind of mind-blowing I... and infuriating to me is, like, thinking back on, like, what other color combinations we should have looked at or, or did look at and, and ruled out for the wrong reasons, you know? Yeah, I, we, me and my brother, Jason, uh, we spoke quite a bit about our pool 
after afterwards and pretty much decided that we built the wrong decks like uh that we really should have abandoned the blue white deck and just tried to build a uh a black green deck instead but yeah you know it's tough it's real tough i think this format is very interesting for team sealed especially because the decks like there there are two very clear good archetypes you can get into one of which is the Rakdos aggressive deck and the other is the Celestia like kind of aggressive slash mid-range deck mm-hmm. and after that like there's no easy deck to build and there's no deck that's going to be consistently good in my opinion i mean if you get the right cards like the right bombs for a blue red deck or for a white blue deck sure i'll buy it but for the most part, if you weren't playing Rakdos or Selesnya, it felt like you were playing from behind to a certain extent. Did you get that impression at all? Yes. I really wish we could have built a Rakdos deck, but holy crap were the cards not there. Yeah, uh, you said your pool was very devoid of removal, correct? Yeah, so we had no Stab Wound, no um, no Annihilating Fire, no Explosive Impact, and no... Uh, there's one more common removal spell in black and red that we didn't have. Something good. <laughs> yeah. But we didn't. We basically didn't have any removal except for two ultimate prices in black or red. Um, and oh yeah, and we had Amizium Mortars, which is awesome. But uh, yeah, we had three removal spells between those two colors, and we also didn't have the red uh, aggressive cards. So we had like a bunch of lava crews. <laughs> but we also had three doorkeepers and two Axbian guardians, so guess what we built? Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It was, I mean, the the biggest thing that happened that uh, that like screwed us o- screwed us up when we were building was the fact that we had three really really good blue white rares or solid blue white rares. We had the Archon of the Triumvirate, um, the Detention Sphere, and the uh, Righteous Authority. Okay. And that was just like screaming out like play blue white and then like we had like a bunch of like two power flyers and you know some some bounce spells and stuff and I was like okay this can work. We had two of the Azorius uh charms. So it was just like this seems like a really good deck. I was the one who played that deck and uh, I did okay. I went 3 and 3 I think. Uh or well 3 and 2 and a uh I just scooped because it was our last round and it was over. But, uh, yeah, the deck was just, it doesn't do anything. Like, it, it doesn't do anything unless I play Archon or um, the Righteous Authority, and those cards just could have been in um, the wall deck easily. Yeah. And we could have just put the, the good blue cards into... Um, the wall deck, uh, the good white cards into the Selesnya deck, and then taken out some of the green cards from the Selesnya deck and built a solid black-green deck. We had pretty much a bunch of solid black creatures that just were sitting on our board. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, and it just, yeah, we just screwed up because we just got so stuck on this building a blue obviously white deck. a deck, you know, it's such an obvious deck to build, it seemed yeah. like. Yeah, and it just wasn't good enough. And I, I just think the blue-white just isn't good enough in the set, period. I, I have a 
similar inkling that blue white is a bit of a trap and it's mostly based on the fact that it's not slow enough to I, did i say this already it's, it's it's not fast enough to keep up with the rakdos deck and it's yeah. not big enough to be able to like hold up to the green creatures in the format um the one deck i do think it's it can be good against is the Slesnia deck but only if you're really heavy on those bounce spells like if you have a lot of dramatic rescues and void wielders mm-hmm. to be able to just kill tokens like right right and, and but otherwise yeah the deck like the evasion seems so unimportant in this deck because the rakdos deck isn't blocking anyway yeah the Celestia deck is basically just attacking you with three threes all out mm-hmm. and they don't really care if you have a two two flyer or a two one flyer or a two three flyer just because those cards just aren't strong yeah, enough to, like to keep they, up it's like they have evasion on the ground <laughs> right it's like you have I, evasion in the air with worse creatures i have evasion because my creatures are all bigger than yours like yeah. that's the best kind of evasion yeah with, with that said i'm pretty sure that we misbuilt our pool by not building a blue white deck that's funny yeah we like i said i built like this really nutty selesnia deck like my deck was very very good and i'm not going to say that i like it wouldn't have mattered whether Russell, Ryan, or I piloted the deck. Like, that deck was going to do work all day and win most of its matches because it was that good. It didn't really need removal because it had so many awesome creatures and just pump spells to to seal the deal. But, with that said, I had a bunch, like, you guys had a bunch of good black creatures sitting in your board. I just had a bunch of quality white cards sitting in my board and some quality green cards sitting in my board to the point where what we should have done is, is forced a, Ra- a Rakdos deck with our black and red. Um, uh-huh. It wouldn't have been ideal, but it would have been better than the, I think, to have a Rakdos deck that was, like, at least focused, you know? Like, I'm going to attack and beat face with this deck. Right. And then take away some of the white cards that I had in my Selesnia deck and some of the blue cards Ryan had in his red-blue deck. Build, like, a white-blue deck. Throw the Jason there. Maybe even throw the Mercurial Chemister in there with Honest Flash. Just to give it a little bit of extra kind of oomph to hopefully get over the hump of being like a subpar archetype in the first place. Yeah. yeah. And then with what what was left over, like some of the green cards that were in Russell's Golgari deck could come into my Selesnya deck for, to make up for the lack of white cards. And I'm not exactly sure that would have been more correct, but I feel like, like I said, that there are two pillars of the format in Rakdos and Selesnya, and... You should be trying to play those in a team format in general, just because those are the best decks, those are the best strategies. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that, um, it, like, I think blue white is pretty mediocre, blue red is pretty mediocre. So mixing the two is probably the way to go, since uh, if you're if you're drafting, uh, because it just it seems like blue red is missing what blue white has, and blue white is missing what blue red has. Yeah. And, just going kind of straight three color might be just the way to go there. And since it's such such a mediocre strategy, it'll be underdrafted, which means you'll probably be able to pick up the guild gates pretty easily and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that might be pretty doable if you want if you really want to be playing blue. But yeah, but having built the decks we we did, we still made pretty critical mistakes. Like Russell Russell's Golgari deck had a bunch of two twos in it and not enough three power guys to be able to deal with opposing three threes. Yeah. Like I said, I should have swapped the Brush Strider that was in my deck for the Beetle that was in his deck. And I had two green pump spells in my sideboard in a Savage Surge and a Chorus of Might that 
should have just given a Russell. And it's possible I should have even given him the giant growth as well that was in my deck and put the Swift Justice from my board into my deck. Yeah. And it's those little subtle differences, the ones that you don't, that we didn't really see during deck building. Because when you see like a pump spell, you think like, okay, aggressive, Selesnia, this is what I need. But when it came down to it, Russell's Golgari deck was the one that really needed it because he had sub subpar creatures, like creatures that were smaller, and he needed something to kind of push through the damage. Like, there's a reason why Rogue's Passage was the best card in his deck. And if we had put pump spells into his deck, like, that would have given him kind of more of that feel, you know, like ways to, like, fight through other creatures and push through damage. Right, right. But, I don't know. I wanted to ask you what you thought about kind of just the the team and deck seating, like what, where you put each deck or each team member, like as far as seat A, seat B, seat C. Did you f- see teams like developing some sort of pattern? Did you feel like it was important <laughs> at all? Because I, 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 the one thing I did see more than anything else was people put their best player in the center, the, in the B seat. Well, obviously, because I was in the center. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> No, I actually, I didn't notice that at all. Um, or at least a lot of the opponents I played seemed fairly mediocre. I didn't really pay much attention to who Spencer and Jason were playing. You you guys started 0-2-1, to be fair. So like, yeah. the people Don't bring you, it up. Well, hey, the, all I'm saying is the, the teams you were playing against were not like the upper echelon best, yeah. best teams in the room, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is true. I mean, the people we played second round, uh, yeah, the middle player seemed like maybe the best player. Okay. Uh, and that was the one that I like lost handily. Uh, every other, oh yeah, and then I lost handily against Rakdos. But, but um, the funny thing is about the seedings is that um, I was playing blue white. I played against five blue white decks, not blue white X, blue white, no splash. I don't know how that happened, but it did. It's probably just coincidence, but is it? Yeah. It is interesting. Yeah, and it was it was awesome. It was kind of awesome at the beginning. Like I played against the first blue white deck, the game went really late. We almost didn't make it, and we actually did draw our first round because Spencer's deck did not get there. Well, he was playing walls. Yeah, he's playing doorkeepers, so I guess that. And the opponent was. It was like that first one was like almost a strict mirror match. It was. Walls versus walls, blue white versus blue white, and Jason was Selesnya versus Golgari. The oh, wow. second round was walls versus walls, blue white versus blue white, Selesnya versus Selesnya. It was a joke. That's really weird. Uh, yeah, and then the rest of the time I just played blue white pretty much the whole time. But the cool thing was, I played it so much that by like the fifth fifth time I played it, I was like a master of the matchup. Like it was like. Everything that the opponent did, I'm like, you did that wrong. You should have been, you know, holding up for my syncopate. Like, it was obvious. Like, everything just looked so obvious to me at the end. Well, that makes sense. So tell tell us, actually, what, what are the keys to a blue-white mirror match in this limited format? Because that seems like good stuff for me and or listeners to know. Yeah, I mean, the keys to the blue-white mirror are um, to play around bounce and counters, Uh so to try to force their bounce and their counters out of their hand, like um, kind of set up a board state to where maybe it'll they'll be able to bounce your guy to uh, get in with that stealer of secrets or something to draw them that card. But that's like like force that situation to happen so they use up their bounce early because um, 
I'll tell you what, uh, the only thing that ever would win me games is enchantments on auras on my guys, because they're just not big enough. So it's like, uh, or that, that or my bomb. But basically, force them to use up their, like, you know, spells that are, that will, uh, kind of mess you up late game, early. And then, because the game is so slow that if you're, if you can get to the late game without having played all your bounce spells and your counters with them having played all theirs, like there might be a head on board, but it's so slow they just can't kill you fast enough and you'll be able to stabilize again. And now you're the guy holding the counters and it's over. Well, and that makes a lot of sense too, because you say you couldn't really win unless you got to your enchantments, which I'm assuming were knightly valors and that one, uh, plus one plus one for each card in your hand enchantment. Yeah, exactly. What's that one called? Uh, righteous authority. Righteous authority, or your bomb, and it's like you don't want them bouncing anything that has an enchantment on it. You definitely don't want them bouncing your seven mana archon because that's just a time walk, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that makes a lot of sense that you oh. want to you want to just draw that stuff out as early as you can, just so you don't have to deal with it in the late game. Yeah, and the hilarious thing is that the best mode of Azorius Charm in the Azorius matchup is draw card. Really? Yes. It was like. It was pathetic. The card is just so bad in that matchup. So what, the other thing it does is puts a creature, an attacking or blocking creature, on top of its owner's library? Mm-hmm. And what's the third mode? Uh, all your creatures gain lifelink. Yeah, that seems pretty mediocre. Yeah, I mean, it would be awesome if I was, like, splashing for Azorius Charm in my Selesnya deck. Yeah, or but, or just if you were in a matchup against a, a very aggressive Rakdos deck, the ability to gain a bunch of life yeah. back seems good. Yeah, um, but, yeah, the, like, every time I looked at, like, my modes i'm like okay i could gain three life i could put his you know creature that it back on top of his library um post like essentially just drawing me a card or i could draw a card now (laughs) instead of drawing a card next turn so it was like always not always correct but a lot of the times it was that's very interesting i never would have thought about that i would have thought it just would have been the removals mode of it every time yeah best best play of the uh of the tournament for me was um having four mana up opponent tapping out for Esperia, and i cycle an azorius charm into a syncopate for one <laughs> yeah yeah i guess if they just draw out the next turn you're not really helping yourself that much right although you would have drawn the syncopate anyway so either way that works right well except that if i I have to wait an extra turn because I can't oh, yeah. hit it unless he attacks me. Yeah, I guess, you, and it saves you like it saves you some time and some mana doing it that way. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to attack in my next turn as well. That's interesting. Yeah, I like yeah. that. That is it, a cool play. It was funny, but yeah, that yeah, the Azorius charm is surprisingly underwhelming in the Azorius deck, hmm. which is sad but true. I found the Golgari charm to be kind of underwhelming too. In the sense that You're the minus to... minus one minus one to all creatures like often hurts you just as much as it hurts your opponent. And I know you can try to build a board state in which you can try to exploit that, but sometimes you're not afforded that luxury, you know. Yeah, and I can imagine the regenerate can't, isn't all that relevant since your guys are so big. Yeah, and and even the ones that aren't big are often ones that you don't mind going to the yard because they have scavenge on them. Sure. In the first place, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I, I last thing I want to talk to you about just as far as teams go is team like politics and just kind of 
dealing with teammates in general. How did that go for you, Spencer and Jason? Like, what was the the hardest thing you guys had to deal with, and what was something that you maybe thought was going to be a problem and then wasn't? I think the hardest thing was telling people no. I mean, in that so. It was one of those things where we were get we got along really well, and um, we kind of built the decks pretty quickly, in in like and we worked just really well together doing all this. But um, what would ha- what happened was like people had kind of opinions about each deck that they kind of kept to themselves because it's like we decided which decks to play kind of thing. Or it was like Jason, Jason was the one who kind of built the Azorius deck to start just like the, the, um, what do you call it? The like shell of the deck. And Spencer built the shell of the wall deck and I built the shell of the Selesnya deck. And then we decided which decks we wanted to play. And I was like, well, I don't care what I play. And Jason's like, well, I kind of want to play Selesnya. And Spencer's like, well, cool. I want to play the walls. So, so I played Azorius and it was one of those things where Jason built the Azorius deck, and while he's building it, he was kind of saying stuff, but more to himself. He's just like, uh, I don't know if I like this like this here. I don't know. It feels like there's not enough two drops here, whatever. But by the time like we got to like just fleshing out the Azorius deck and just putting cards in, we weren't really thinking about whether or not it was correct to even play it. Where Jason, like, while he was building it, he just said, like, afterwards, he's like, yeah, I was building the deck and it just didn't feel good. Like, I didn't feel like a good deck. And, uh, and he was right. I mean, he ended up being correct about that. And so it's just one of those things where he didn't want to say that because we all kind of agreed, like, oh, Zorius is a deck. And he didn't want to be like, well, no, like, I don't think it is. And so well, and that's got to be tough for the dude in the team who probably plays the least out of all three of you. Totally. Yeah, it definitely. And um to be fair, like even if he said that, it's very possible me and Spencer would have been like, "Nah, Jace, like look at it. It's got all these bombs. You're you're crazy." So, I mean, it might not have even done anything if he tried to make a stink about it. It might have just hurt our deck building time or whatever. But I don't know. It was just it was tough to to just not be a yes man about everything because we're trying to be you know positive and and like agree with each other and stuff and maybe we should have been more abrasive but um i don't know it worked out and like and the way we did it is like it would get to a point where there's like 24 25 cards and then it's like all right it's your deck you're playing it make the last cuts yourself yeah and so, and so that's what we did and i didn't agree with other everybody else's cuts but i'm sure they didn't agree with mine either so it's just the way it goes I thought the hardest thing for our team was kind of adopting each deck to each player's like play skill, not play skill, but like play preference, you know, like the style of deck versus the style of play that each of us likes to use. Like, I feel like we got the Ryan on like dirtily red, blue control deck. Like, I feel like that was the correct choice, but I feel like Russell and I should have swapped decks. Like he should have been playing just the aggressive white green deck because like, Honestly, I've, I felt like I was on autopilot with it, and I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I gotta tread carefully here because I don't want to say that like I don't want to explicitly say that like I'm a better player than my brother, but I would say that playing that like kind of slow grindy Golgari deck is something that suits my play style more than it suits his. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Russell's awesome at aggro. I know, and that's that's, and I know that, and that was the problem. It's like, and I'm a good aggro player too, but I I know that I could play that Golgari deck, and I think I could probably play it slightly better than he could. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that was another mistake that we made just as far as like not in card selection and all, but just in the way we ran our team. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like I would almost say that Russell's playstyle is like running on instinct almost. Oh, yeah. And, and I so, totally agree. And so it's like and his instinct is nearly always correct. And so aggro is the way to go because he's just like pounding in your face as fast as he can. And, and he doesn't really have to think about all the like, I don't know, the second that he stops and is like second guessing his instincts, he tends to make mistakes. So. Yeah, but, I mean, I think that's the case with a lot of us. It's just that, yeah, I, I think that that was a subtle mistake that we made as far as, like, the way our team functioned. And, and that had nothing to do with the cards we opened or the cards we chose to play in each deck. It was just more about who was playing which deck. And I think that that was, yeah, kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have anything else on kind of the team aspect of the tournament in general? I really enjoyed the just playing with my friends and my like just like having it be us as a team and like when i lost i didn't feel as bad or when like i don't know it's just one of those things where every loss and every win feels like maybe like a like a third loss and a third win so it's like not as big of a deal you feel like you have these guys to catch your back and although they might not have done it it's not you know i didn't feel any like I didn't feel upset towards Spencer or Jason at all for any even like mistakes that they made or anything like that. I mean, not that I saw really mistakes they made because I wasn't really watching their games all too much. But it's it's just cool, like the idea that you have this like kind of team. Like it's it's just fun. It's just more fun to play to have like a cooperative kind of feel to the game. You can like turn to your teammate and say like I don't know about this hand. What do you think? And then just be like, ah, I think it's Jamal. And, you know, it's just like, it's nice to have these, like, little little things happening yeah, while the, the game's going. The camaraderie was great. Like, I loved yeah. that, it, like, in every win, especially, like, if you were the first person to finish your match and then you lost and say, but then say your other two teammates won so that your team won the match, like, makes you feel so much better as the yeah, guy who lost. Totally. Now, the flip side of that is if, one of your teammates has won, the other one is lost, and they're both watching your game three or something, and you lose that game. It's yeah. nerve-wracking. It hurts that much more when you lose because you feel like you let your teammates down. But overall, like, I really loved, one, yes, being able to d- discuss plays and mulligans with my teammates and not having to just only live inside my own little magic bubble for each mm-hmm. match, but mm-hmm. also just the, yeah, that kind of the swings that came with, functioning as a team like we ended up going six and three so we lost in round nine to like we got bounced in round nine but for that whole time when we were six and two like up until that point like we were we were having a great time like and just discussing plays and discussing sideboard plans in between matches like it really did feel cool to be a part of a unit as opposed to just like because it's weird, like, when you go do a normal draft or a normal sealed and, like, you have to play one of your friends. Like, you're battling against them and you're like, well, like, I want to win, but it's like, it sucks, like, if I if my opponent gets mana screwed and he's my buddy or, like, if I just run him over or something, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it was cool to be able to, like, kind of, yeah, just have somebody to, to share the same experience with you for the most part. Yeah. Um, now, who did you lose to in round nine, Craig? Uh... I was told that it was um, Saito. 
Oh, that's is that not correct? true. Nah. Who, who did we lose to? I thought you lost to Yuya Watanabe. Ah, that's who we lost to. Yes, I'm sorry. Man, that makes me sound like an idiot. Like yeah. two Japanese <laughs> players mixed up. I'm sorry. My apologies to the Japanese magic community. Um, But I, I, I didn't know we were playing him while we were playing him. I just thought it was some team some of dudes. Yeah, I just thought he yeah. was some other guy. I'm not I really would have known at... him. I read too much magic yeah. stuff. So, yeah, he's the current uh, world champion, actually. We almost beat them, too. Like, I won my match that round. Russell lost his, and it came down to Ryan's match in the middle. He won. No, he lost game one. And, and according to Ryan, like, I wasn't watching that game. It was pretty close, and Ryan made some mistakes or some decisions that might have been bad in hindsight that, like, he possibly could have won game one. And then he won game two, like, through very good tight play it was that and i did watch that game because my match was over so fast um and in game three like they were both shuffling up like and uh watanabe did a lot of sideboarding and ryan's like oh i wonder if he's moving back into that deck i saw in game one where he beat me um and he did he sided into a rakdos deck and just pack rat turn two and it's like Ooh. okay we lose <laughs> Did he did he do the correct thing and just make pack rats the rest of the game? For the most part, yeah. Yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, the other thing I want to mention about the team format is that in general, overall, I don't know if you noticed this. You were kind of on the winning end of yeah of the matches, but I was on the like kind of losers bracket kind of deal. Um, the people we played against were all super positive and having a great time. Oh no, it was like that for all of our rounds for the most part. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. Like, I really enjoyed all the magic we played, all the people we played against. Everyone was, like, just wanted to talk about magic afterwards and just having a great time talking about the team format and stuff. And just everyone was super excited. I thought it was just such a great, I don't know. Yeah. The feeling in the room was just overwhelmingly positive. In those big magic tournaments, like, sometimes you can get, like, just too much seriousness in that room where it's like it just feels kind of oppressive like everyone's just like too like not it's just not enough fun is happening you know what i mean yeah well the guy i beat in the grinder on friday in the finals him and his teammates were like kind of hunting me down and talking to me between rounds the whole next day and like none of them were like upset about the previous day they were all just stoked to be playing team magic and kind of like going through that whole that whole uh experience and i i thought that that was excellent like it was yeah it was really well done i really hope that wizards got a lot of positive feedback um they must have i mean the the tournament was gigantic there oh was, yeah 1700 plus people yeah there were 11 rounds like Oof. it was a i think an overwhelming success is my guess like it it just it seemed to me to be that way but yeah. uh i don't like, know even even after we had lost and we were leaving the tournament site, uh, on our way out of the building, I saw Aaron Forsyth coming back in. Like he was going up an escalator, I was going down a, a flight of stairs, and I just felt the need to like yell at him and be like, "Thank you for team events. This was sweet." Like, and I just got bounced from a, a long day of magic. And like normally, like if I spend that much time playing and then I lose, it's like I'm all disappointed. But like I I just felt so good about my day and about like hanging out with my friends, playing Magic with them, not against them Right. for that long. Like, it was a really positive experience, and, yeah, I, I can't wait till they do it again. I mean, they have to, right? Yeah, I would think so. Unfortunately, yeah. it won't be at home. But No, I mean, I won't be able to just try, like, wake up at home and then drive to the tournament event, but or the tournament site. But um, 
I have one last thing on team stuff. One of the things that did get on my nerves were because you could interact with your teammates, like ask them questions and ask for advice. Some of the like help that was given and some of like just people not paying attention was really troubling to me. If that makes sense where like there was like one guy in the middle, basically trying to play two matches at the same time. Like that was really annoying. Mm -hmm. Uh, That only happened to me once or twice. Um, and I mean, once was bad. And then this one guy was like super distracted. Like we were coming down to the time limit and like, cause the rounds take a little longer cause you spend more time talking with your teammates. Like Ryan and his opponent had 10 minutes left to finish their match. And Russell and his opponent were still in a match. And while Ryan's opponent is shuffling, he's like, not really, all he's really doing is looking at his opponent, like, or his teammates board and like trying to assess it. Like, and I noticed that he just stopped shuffling. Like his, he, he's fully disengaged, yeah. fully disengaged from his match just to pay attention to the match next to him. Mm-hmm. And that bugs me. Like there needs to be, like, I don't, I don't know how like the judging community can like stay on top of that and like, call people on slow play in that regard but it was like i had to as the teammate who was done just be like hey hey snapping at him like focus you're playing over here right now like you need to get this match done we do not want to draw because i mean we're on the bubble yeah Yeah, we were like x2 and if we took a draw there that's just as bad as a loss and i don't know it would behoove that player to know that but he was obviously just distracted and like that pissed me off but yeah yeah i agree if that and that was the worst part of the day for me like if that was the worst thing that happened i I think we're probably doing okay but i just wanted to kind of rant about that a little bit like play your own match first i guess is all i'm really trying to say yeah and you can totally like there should be nothing wrong i mean there is nothing wrong but people shouldn't feel bad about calling a judge to watch for slow play like if you have 10 minutes left in a round just just call judge i mean it's just like what's it gonna harm yeah it's not it's not gonna harm anything like and and maybe your opponents will get bent out of shape, but, which is probably uh, a good thing, man. If you can tilt them like that. Well, yeah. If you're if you're if that's what, yeah. I mean, you can totally tilt people that way. But I mean, I'm not saying to do that for that reason. I just mean like, they, there should be no problems with that. Like people shouldn't get upset about it because it's yeah. it is a part of the game. We have to finish in 50 minutes. It's part of magic. So learn how to do it. Otherwise, you're gonna get called on your shit. Yeah. The, the the one other thing in that scenario that bugs me is like I don't think that you should be able to touch your teammates' cards or deck. Like you should be able to maybe like tap or point to a card in their hand or something or like a card on the battlefield, but like to physically pick up or yeah, like, look at cards, or like, yeah, like pick cards. up and put down cards. Like to to have me being the only person holding Ryan's hand seems like and I there might be there might be a rule against that, but yeah, I saw I, people doing that all day and that that was kind of that seemed a little shady to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I don't know. I didn't see a huge amount of that. Just like one time where, and that was later where I didn't care all too much about how the match went. But uh, I mean, for the most part, like I'm not worried about people cheating. I think it's pretty innocuous. But what bugs me about it is is that whole aspect of like you should have to play your own match. You know what I'm saying? Right, with like help maybe, but but yeah, not, but only not. like verbal and like pointing help as opposed to like here, let me like rearrange things so that you see what i see you know yeah yeah because that's i don't know that that feels wrong to me i don't and that's i mean nothing that's tangible i guess it's just 
it irks me. Yeah, and it seemed like there was a lot more of like the really shady like take back moves. Oh yeah. That because like uh, somebody would start doing something and they'd be like no 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 and it's like you I mean that's happened like he started doing it like did you did you hear about how that happened to us in yeah, one of our matches yeah I did I did it was like I saw, I saw it against us too so right and it, I mean Russell targets his Kozota or Karosta guild mage the black green guild mage with the six mana spell that destroys the creature and makes that player discard a card and the kid was just like oh, sure, I discard this, and then I'm going to do this. And then, like, his team is like, no, 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 You know, like, don't discard. Like, you need to do this thing first, like, in response to the discard. And, like, the card had hit the graveyard. And, and according to the to our opponents, this was this kid's, like, first time playing Paper Magic. Like, he had only ever played online before. Right. So it was like, and they caught it real fast. It was just... Yeah, it's one of those things where technically they... We, we should have called a judge. Yeah. We should have. I mean, if we wanted to be real sticklers, but yeah, it, but he he was doing like he was doing what he thought was correct. He just didn't understand how the the timing of it worked. The timing worked. Yeah, because yeah. what he wanted to do was sacrifice his guild mage to itself to get a bunch of tokens. Yeah, like he didn't realize that that actually counters the spell and it doesn't happen and blah blah blah. But, right, and he didn't he didn't care that he had to discard the card in his hand because right. he was going to win just by sacrificing the dudes. So yeah. I don't know. That was that was strange, but I don't know. And that's all I really got on teams. You got anything else you want to talk about as far as just like the team format in general goes? No, I don't think so. I just uh, want to reiterate that it's fun. We did a Team Cube Rochester afterwards. I was bummed I couldn't be a part of that. I had to leave. Well, you, you kind of were a part of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Greg was the uh, the fourth player on each team. <laughs> the, consi- the consigliere. Yeah, it was cool. Like uh, that was that was so much fun. I I love Cube. God damn, it's so fun. Rochestering the cube was also like more fun than I thought it would be, just because every card is so good. Like the discussions you actually get into with your yeah. teammates and opponents, as far as like which card is better and like which card you should take because you might be able to wheel this other card. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, and Russell's. some of some of the decks were insane. Like Russell's deck was absurd. It was so absurd. He had three mocks. And just all cheap spells with three, three mocks, uh, noble hierarch, a, a mana yes. ball, a plow under, and then just a bunch of really aggressive dudes. Like, yeah. Oh god. He went. His first game was mock or mox pearl, mox diamond, land, or in viper go. <laughs> Into an empty board, like, into, like, his opponent having nothing because he hasn't played a turn yet. Good and game, he's like, sir. okay, and then next turn attack and play something else, and then next turn attack, plow under your two lands. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, scoop? Wow. Yeah. That's not very fair. It was, his deck was so absurd. Was, yeah, it was just... How did how did Ryan's reanimator deck work out? I was curious about that. Uh, he won, uh, we all, my team all won out. We all won all our games, or matches anyway. Okay. Um, his reanimator deck was better than Spencer's slow control deck. With but, some reanimation spells. Yeah, but, uh, I think he kind of got lucky against Jason, who had the red, black kind of aggro. Hmm. But, um... We don't need to get too much into this cube draft. No, we don't. Talk about it when, when listeners can't understand exactly what's going on, but... Anyway, yeah, team team was sweet. I kind of want to talk just a little while longer about 
the format, just Ravnica lim- or Return to Ravnica Limited. Okay. We've kind of talked about how Celesnia and Rakdos are kind of the class of the format, like the pillars of the format. How do you see the other guilds stacking up against them or with them, I guess, like pairing-wise and, like, opponent-wise? Mm, okay. Um... Have you noticed any trends in that arena? Uh, Golgari is good against Rakdos, I think. Well, um, why do you say that? Well, you mentioned earlier that you wanted to talk specifically about Trestle Troll, so let's do it. Yeah, that card is pretty friggin' good against aggressive strategies. Yeah, I mean, it's a three-mana giant spider, basically. Um, What's and, it generate? Yeah, it's almost better than a three-mana giant spider. Like, it's so good. Uh it, it, it acts as like probably like one of the better removal spells you'll have in your deck against certain matchups. Yeah, because of that, like it's so powerful against both Azorius and uh, Rakdos. But better against Azorius, but Rakdos is more of a threat, so I, I think that it's kind of makes more matters more there. Yeah, I just can't believe that card has reach. Yeah. That was the first time I played it. Was uh, I my first draft of the set? play against Azorius, and he's like, he plays a detain card, and I'm like, ah, damn, he detains my Trestle Troll. He detains some guy on the ground, I was like, okay. <laughs> and then he attacks in with his 3-3 flying, and I'm like, block? <laughs> he's like, that has reach? <laughs> I was like, yeah, dude. That has reach. He's like, oh my god. Yeah, it was just, the card is really good. It just demands an auger spree, or else it's gonna kinda nerf your best three power dude every turn yeah like and that's the cool thing is like you can spend mana to nerf their best card or you can not and nerf their three power card like yeah it's yeah it's it's, it's flexible like good. it scales up like the longer the game goes the better it gets it's very yeah it's very subtly powerful and the interaction with axbane guardian is not to be ignored either just the ability oh, to ramp to ramp with axbane guardian into like huge things is pretty sweet yeah, I mean it happens. Like if you have enough Trestle Trolls and Axeman Guardians, you're you're exploding on turn four or five mm-hmm. easily. And that ramp also really plays well with all the scavenge cards because those all most of those effects are pretty expensive. Yeah, like totally. the Beetle scavenges for six. The uh, what's it called? The three three scavenges for seven. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so like to be able to hit those scavenge costs earlier as opposed to later is pretty important it is but that that deck the golgari deck is definitely like the blocking deck yeah it's not fast and you have to play to that strength like you have to you have to be willing to chump early and chump often and you have to be willing to just try to develop your mana play for the long game and hope that your top end is or or ensure that your top end is better than theirs. Like, whether it's on a splash through Axebane Guardians and Guild Gates that you search up with Gate Creeper Vines, or just having some nutty black or green finisher. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you can go late, but you need to have something to seal the deal once you get there. Yeah. So other matchups, I think Rakdos is bad against Selesnia. I agree. Uh, for, for the most part. I think a very removal-heavy Rakdos deck can often just get there. If you, especially on the play, like you could stick a couple, like a turn two guy, a turn three guy, and just start removing their best blocker every turn and getting in there. 
if you have like and if you have a lot of removal that probably means you have a little bit of reach whether it's through an explosive impact or uh, an annihilating fire or a traitor's instinct which is essentially a removal spell at the end of the game right but for the most part the three threes that can block are better than the the three power dudes that can't block you know yeah. and green white has enough life gain and pump spells to yeah. to one negate a lot of the removal spells that red black has but also to just kind of again make the creatures bigger than the rakdos creatures so that they can block effectively and that's important as well yeah um i don't know uh the blue decks are hard like it, what's their good matchup i don't i can't even tell you uh I still have yet to see like a base blue red deck that I liked. Yeah, it just it's so hard to like because the I don't know like I've in concept I could see one like with like a bunch of like goblin electromancers and sweet like expensive spells, but I think that's... you have to go all in on instants if you're yeah blue. yeah like I don't know it's just the the that that deck just doesn't work I don't think without some kind of bomby cards yeah i mean yeah. It, it definitely pairs very well with rakdos in yeah. the sense that like if you can fit a mercurial chemistry or a teleportal teleporter yeah in, yeah into your into your rakdos deck like that's friggin' sweet and that's an easy enough splash to make if you need to like Absolutely. off of a transkill promenade or off of a a blue red guild gate and because blue red is like not a base guild pretty much like it's a really hard deck to build those guild gates go real late yeah, I take those pretty high anyway. I like I really want to be splashing in this format if I can do it. I know that I my pot was probably incorrect to do this, but I actually got a 14th pick is it Guildgate. Whoa. In one of my drafts. Yeah, I was just wrong. Like it shouldn't have happened, but it did. Like hmm. But nobody was is it at the table uh but it ended up being like people did splash for it eventually. Like, you know, it's not like no one's going to play any card that's blue or red, so yeah, I mean, somebody's got to get into that deck, and I'm just wondering, like, I know it has to work in some capacity. Like, Wizards wouldn't design a set where one of the guilds was just straight-up terrible, but that's, like, what it seemed to me so far. I feel like we just need to kind of play the format more and flesh out how to make that guild work. And, like, the more I think about it, the more I think it's, like, you need to maybe pair it with white so that you can get some uh, Hussar patrols and... You have that card, you have the 3-4 uncommon flyer that has flash, you have inspiration, you have some counter spells, you have some instant speed removal from red, and you kind of just draw for your turn, you say go, and you do everything in reaction to your opponent. I don't like to play that way, but I just don't see how the blue-red deck gains enough advantage otherwise, unless you're yeah. talking about having a Niv-Mizzet or some other ludicrous bomb like the Chemister. Right. And even then, I think those like the chemistry is just as easily like a good splash in a black red deck or a blue white deck. Right, right. Uh, I mean, Ryan was just telling me he did a draft where he splashed Niv Mizzet in a yeah. in a Rakdos deck. I think you can do it. Yeah. So, kind of getting past guilds, the last thing I wanted to talk about was: Have you, aside from the the wall deck which we've talked about already, have you seen any success with off color decks, like off guild decks, blue black? green blue anything like that i haven't seen it i've heard talk uh i mean i was kind of just eavesdropping on a conversation somebody saying that they 3-0'd a draft with a straight red white deck 
what what was the point of the deck was it just like an aggro deck yeah it was just an aggro deck i don't really know what like made that better than just playing red black or something but you get to tame cards i suppose like the azorius arrester seems pretty good in an aggressive red deck yeah and swift justice too i could see that working that makes sense to me yeah maybe but uh that's the only thing i've heard besides that i don't know I think there is kind of a, a, a probably a blue-green control deck to be had, or maybe like a blue-green-white control deck to be had. Right. I guess blue-green-white is two, two adjoining right. guilds, yeah, yeah, so that doesn't really count. Because a, a lot of the things the blue deck wants to do, like just kind of control and beat you with flyers, is supplemented a little better by the green cards, like the good blockers on the ground and the pump spells, and like as opposed to whites just kind of small dudes that have detain abilities and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm interested to kind of try more of that. And I think it'll be easier to kind of get a feel for that now that we can draft Return to Ravnica online. So I'm looking forward to trying to do some off-color strategies. It just sucks to, like, give up so many of the gold cards that you would want to play. Totally. I think you just have to make those work on the splash. Yep. But for the format so far, it's pretty cool. I... Like, I don't mind that, that, like, some of the guilds seem worse. Like, that's... That was going to happen. Yeah, exactly. It's just, like, they they never balance everything perfect, so it's, it's, I don't know. It just makes a more interesting format to me. So. I, I do like that Red Black is one of the best guilds. I was worried that it was going to be bad, because yeah, oftentimes the two removal colors don't get to be good, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you look at a lot of the previous core sets, although I guess Black, Red, Bloodthirst was pretty good in M12, but yeah. other, other than that, like, Red and Black are often the two colors that kind of get the shaft in Limited, but yeah. I'm excited that that's probably the best deck. I mean, do you think that Rakdos or Selesnya is necessarily better than the other? Like, do you think one of those is the best guild? I think Selesnya is better, because I think it beats Rakdos, but... <laughs> I think I think overall, I think Selesnya has the better matchup against every deck. I think Rakdos mm. is the much more explosive deck, though. See, I kind of disagree. I'd rather be playing Rakdos against a blue-white deck. Sure, but I'd rather play uh, Selesnya versus green-black, and I'd rather play Selesnya versus red-black. And, yeah, I'd probably rather play Selesnya versus Selesnya. So, I don't know. I just think it has more matchups that seem like you have the advantage, or at least on par. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. I mean, it is just a little bit more consistent. Mm-hmm. I do think that, like, the best Rakdos deck in the format probably can beat the best Selesnya deck in the format, though. Yep, I agree. It's Yeah, it's kind of the uh, the whole, like, consistency versus bra power. Yeah. And you're right, like you say, it's a little bit more explosive. I guess that's, that's a good way of describing it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to kind of... Like, I've done so much sealed with this format. Like, I've, I never played this much sealed... I'm really looking forward to drafting it more. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that'll really tell tell us like more about the format in general, like when you can start to get decks that are a little more consistent. Because, I mean, I think that's part of why I, I'm biased against blue-red and white-blue so far, is that in the in the sealed format, like it's really dependent upon what cards you get. And it is a little bit more dependent on consistency in general. So I think that the, the white-green and black-red guilds are inherently a little more consistent just because their plans are so focused. But... Once we start drafting the format a little bit more, I feel like getting those other guilds in consistent context will tell us more about 
how to draft or how to evaluate those cards and how to how to draft those guilds. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, I'm ready to wrap things up. How about you? Yeah, sounds good. All right, take us home, Jeff. All right, uh, you can reach us at EW Draftcast on Twitter for Greg at Jeff EWDC on Twitter for me. You, we got the email eastwestdraftcast at gmail.com we have a facebook search it up eastwestdraftcast we have a website eastwestdraftcast.com where you can download this podcast and sometimes although not in the past many while we'll post other stuff on there I posted my deck list from the GP Grinder on there. Oh, you did? I didn't realize. I haven't, I haven't been. So. Yeah. Cool. And actually, uh, if you follow me on Twitter, when we do post something new on the website, it should show up on my Twitter feed. So I'm going to give you a link and whatnot. So that's a good way to kind of see when we do update and when we do have new episodes out. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's it. That's all, that's all we got. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks to Wizards again for team events. I'm going to keep saying it. That was a ton of fun. And I can't wait to keep drafting the set. Agreed. Wait for it. Draftcast out. Down the walls we'd sing Another drink with Billy